Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, Yachtings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. This week's stories are all about deadly games and rituals. First, we'll play the game of the red eye. Next, we'll prank call a babysitter. After that, we'll learn the origins of Bloody Mary. And finally, we'll hear about a mysterious mascot suit at a football game. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for this podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. I will also be at Midsummer Scream this upcoming weekend. It's a huge horror convention in Long Beach. I will have a panel on Saturday at 4.30 p.m., and you can catch a sneak peek of future Something Scary episodes. If you use the code SCARY, you get 20% off your ticket. Head on over to midsummerscream.org for more information. So, want to hear something scary? Game of the Red Eye. The following story was inspired by Lilith Wrongname. When I was 14 years old, my friends and I were chatting at our usual spot before school. My friend Nicole started telling us about this one game she'd heard about called the Game of the Red Eye. If you follow all the instructions exactly, you would be able to undo one thing that has happened to you in your life. You can erase any moment that has caused you immense pain and your life would continue as if it never happened, as long as you never told anyone that you played the game. Nicole continued to give us a detailed explanation of how to play. She really seemed convinced that it could be real. I've heard from multiple people that this really works, she tried to convince us. But how would you know? If it works, aren't you not allowed to say you did it? I argued. Nicole shrugged. I didn't want to admit it to my friends at the time, but I was definitely intrigued by this ritual because there was something that I wanted to undo. My best friend, Amelie, had passed away about a month or so before. 
She used to hang out with us at our spot before school, and I definitely took the loss the hardest. So the thought of possibly getting to undo her death, why wouldn't I want to at least try? My parents were out of town that night, so I'd be home alone. That was the first step. Be in your home all by yourself. Then I had to summon the creatures of the dark. I turned off all the lights, lit enough candles so I could see my way, and walked around, politely asking them for their assistance. Once I heard low growls echoing around me, that's how I knew the game had started. Everything that happened from here on out was happening on a different plane of existence than reality. At least that's what the rules claimed. Next, I had to find my way to the nearest bathroom, stand in front of the mirror, and shut my eyes. Almost immediately, I heard a loud scream, crushed bones, and a little girl begging for help. I was not supposed to open my eyes no matter how tempting it was. Once all the sounds had stopped, I opened my eyes. Behind me, in the mirror, I saw a little girl with a red ribbon in her hair. She untied it and handed it to me. This was a key piece of the game, so I put it in my pocket. Next step was to leave the bathroom and find a door that now had a red knob. Once I found it, I entered the room. It was my bedroom, but it didn't look that way anymore. My bed and posters were gone. There was just a table with two chairs facing each other. One chair was empty where I was supposed to sit and the other chair was occupied by a shadowy creature. I took my seat. There was a plate and a large knife sitting in front of me. I waited for my cue. Nail. A voice came from across the table. I took the knife and peeled off my thumbnail and placed it on the plate. The shadowy creature grabbed it and consumed it rapidly. Finger. I continued to offer it the parts of me that it requested and watched it scarf them down. Ear. Eye. And finally, heart. I took the red ribbon out of my pocket and placed it on the plate. The creature grabbed it and guzzled it down. It immediately choked on the thick fabric and fell over on the table. I walked over to it and lifted its head back up and reached inside its mouth. Inside was an eyeball with a red iris. This is when you make your wish. I closed my eyes and wished that Amelie had never gotten in that car accident that totaled her red Jeep and that she would show up to school tomorrow like it never happened. I turned all the lights back on and thanked the creatures of the dark for helping me. The game was finished. Now I just had to wait and see if anything happened. The next day at school, I saw my friends in our usual hangout spot. My heart was racing as I walked towards them. I was trying not to get my hopes too high, but I just really missed Amelie. The bell rang and we had to head to class. Everything okay, Lilith? Nicole asked. You've been really quiet all morning. I'm fine, I mumbled. This is gonna sound so stupid, but I actually tried that game last night and I wished that Amelie would show up to school today like everything was back to normal, but I was just being stupid. Nicole just stared at me. Uh, Amelie just texted me. She's running a little late. What are you talking about? What game? My eyes lit up. There's no way. The game had actually worked, but 
I just told them that I played it. Did I break one of the rules? We heard a crash coming from the parking lot. It was Amelie's red Jeep. In my attempt to save myself some grief, I ended up losing Amelie twice. I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this now. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And now, more Something Scary. Our next chapter was submitted by Maybe. Megan loved to babysit. She was great with kids, and what 14-year-old wouldn't take the extra cash? On weekends, Megan would babysit her cousins and take care of her uncle's big, shiny house. It was very high-end. Security cameras, code-locked gates, you get the gist. It was a very safe place to be. Megan's cousins were regular little kids. Luke was a clumsy two-year-old, and Charlotte was a happy five-year-old girl with her ponies and princesses. In general, they were very easy to take care of and adored Megan. Megan was in the middle of getting bombarded by the kids. Annoying kid stuff when she was saved by the ring of the house phone. It was probably her uncle, but it was odd that he didn't just call her cell phone. Megan picked up the house phone and was met by silence. It was probably a prank call. Suddenly, she heard a high-pitched, melodic voice, almost singing. Ali Ali oxen free, four blocks left. Yep, she had just been prank called. She placed the phone back on the receiver. Megan began to make some microwavable dinner when the house phone rang again. <phone rings> Megan was cautious, but answered it anyways. Ali Ali oxen free, three blocks left. Megan slammed down the phone. It was probably some neighborhood kids who thought it would be funny to freak her out. Either way, Megan decided she wouldn't pick up the house phone anymore. Megan decided to call her uncle on her cell and asked him if he could come home sooner than later. She had to be honest. She was a little freaked out, even if it was just a prank. She called his number, but no answer. Not even a message machine. Megan hung up and headed to the living room to watch some cartoons with Charlotte and Luke. They were halfway into the show when Megan's cell phone rang. Finally, her uncle must have called her back. She picked up her cell. Ali Ali oxen free. Two blocks left. Now this was more than a prank call. How did they get her number? Megan turned off the TV and, to the disapproval of her cousins, took them upstairs to their parents' room. It was the room in the front so you could see the entire house and entire street outside. Nobody was there. 
Megan sighed a sigh of relief. Of course there wasn't. Megan picked up a book and read while the kids entertained themselves with ponies and iPads. Megan made sure there were no phones. Megan was beginning to calm down and got into her book when she heard it again, echoing from inside the room. It was coming from Luke's iPad. Megan grabbed the iPad from Luke's hand and slid it under the bed, picking Luke up and dragging Charlotte into the hallway. Where was she supposed to go now? Charlotte, Luke, I need you to be quiet, she said to the kids, but they didn't understand. I should call the police, Megan thought to herself, but her phone was in the living room. She took the kids, who seemed ten times heavier now, and slowly tiptoed downstairs. They had barely left the first step when she heard it again, ringing through the halls. Oh my God, it was coming from the security cameras. Megan darted downstairs to her phone and called 911. Hello, I live at 405 Chelsea Street. Um, I need help. Megan put her phone down and ran to the first floor. Oddly enough, things were absolutely silent. She couldn't hear her footsteps, nor Charlotte's, who was right behind her. She couldn't hear her cousin's moans. She could barely even hear her own heartbeat. She began to slow down as she calmed. Even though she was holding her cousins, she felt truly alone in this house. And then, a whisper in her ear, Ali Ali Oxen free. I found you! Megan shrieked and raced down the hallway, through the door, through the front yard, through the big ivory gate and out into the street. She could hear police sirens and could see the red and blue lights reflecting from the road. The police turned the house inside out, but couldn't find anyone. All they found were scratches in the basement closet that dated from before Megan had even come that night. All the scratches said were Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Thank you for submitting that story, maybe. Who do you guys think it was that was taunting Megan? Was it a person or something more supernatural? And do you think her uncle was unaware that this person was in the basement? Or maybe he's the one who put them there. Maybe that's why the house has such high security, because they're trying to keep them inside. Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, The story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Have you ever played Bloody Mary? 
Well, this is another story submitted by Maybe, and this is their interpretation of the origin of that game. There was once a beautiful woman named Mary. She was youthful and full of energy. Although she was happy, her one true wish was to have a child. One day, a dashing young man won her affection, and not too long after, she was pregnant. Mary was euphoric. She began designing the nursery right away. She was determined to make it the loveliest nursery on earth. It was filled with pretty dolls, satin pillows, and a crystal clear mirror. Mary and her unborn baby were the only ones who could experience the beauty of the nursery. She wouldn't allow her husband to enter. Mary would spend her days in front of the crystal mirror, brushing one of the doll's hair, singing a beautiful lullaby. She would do this every day to the same doll. It was rumored among the townsfolk that Mary was personifying the doll as her unborn baby. Mary's due date finally arrived, but unfortunately, she suffered a miscarriage, as was common in those days. Mary was devastated. She took the doll and smashed it into the wall. She refused to take off her bloody dress from the day of the miscarriage and continued to try again for another baby. Pregnancy after pregnancy, miscarriage after miscarriage. Dolls were continually shattered as Mary's dress got bloodier and bloodier. She began to sleep in the baby's crib. She hardly ever spoke to her husband anymore. She continued to sing her lullaby to her doll at the mirror. Townsfolk would shout, Bloody Mary, through the window, sometimes even chanting the name alongside Mary's lullaby or throwing rocks at her. The chants began to echo in her ears. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. She grew hateful and bitter to the townsfolk. As the years went on, the nursery began to wither and rot. Marks from the dolls covered the walls as shattered china covered the floor. Until one day, she finally had a baby. A beautiful baby boy. He had bright blue eyes and gentle smooth skin. Mary's dream had finally come true. All was finally going according to plan. Mary began to sleep in her own room, cleaned up the nursery, and even grew close to her husband again. But she still refused to change her dress. One day, she was rocking her baby at the mirror, singing her lullaby like she had done to so many dolls. Suddenly, her baby began to cry. Mary began to hear the old chant through the baby's wails. Stop it. Stop. 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 Stop it. Stop saying that. Stop it. The baby would only cry louder. The baby's cries grew louder and louder, as did the chant in Mary's ears. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Her mind filled with fear. Mary thrust her baby at the mirror, and the glass shattered into a million pieces. Her baby's lifeless body fell to the floor. Mary suddenly realized what she had done. She looked at her warped and fragmented reflection in the pieces on the ground. But Mary didn't see herself. Instead, she saw a monster covered in blood, her eyes frozen over. Her hair was dead and her skin was gray. Realizing what she was, 
Mary stabbed herself with a chunk of the mirror, her haunting scream ringing in the ears of the townsfolk. However, Mary wasn't done yet. It is said that her soul continues to wish for a baby. If you go up to your mirror and sing, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, while rocking your arms as if you were carrying an infant, she will come through the mirror as a monstrous spirit. Once she sees you don't have her baby, she will stab you with the shard of mirror as she drenches herself in your blood. Do you dare to play the game of Bloody Mary? Thank you, maybe, for another great story. I know that there are lots of different versions of the origins of Bloody Mary. I don't think that there is any one correct answer, but they are all very interesting and very creepy. And we've reached our final chapter, which comes from Benji. This is a story that happened to a school in their town. So a few years ago, my middle school switched mascots with another school. This was mostly to save money because we didn't have any cash to get an original new mascot. But it was whatever. One school saves a bit of cash getting rebranded. We managed to be a bit more environmentally friendly by not chucking another fursuit into the local landfill. Wins for everyone, right? However, there was a particular local legend that made a few of the more superstitious parents on the PTA board hesitant to claim this particular mascot. So a long time ago, way back before I was born, I want to say like during the 60s or something, anyway, this mascot has been around for a while. Its name was Bungie Bear. Its eye pupils were kind of scratched out from the sports equipment. Pieces of its fur were missing from its body. Its head was always hung slightly crooked like its neck was broken. It wasn't Five Nights at Freddy's bad, but it wasn't a pleasant sight either. Think mutilated Care Bear-looking kind of thing. Not to mention the smell. Believe it or not, mascot suits called for some very expensive dry-cleaning bills. And since the school, like many in my area, was under budget, it was just kind of left to ferment into its own juices. They would leave it in the back of the sports equipment lockers next to all the football practice equipment and would only air it out, like, once a year. So you could imagine the smell inside this thing. It was the worst. Even as I type this, the smell is coming back to me and it's still hitting me like a dead skunk was hurled at my face. But anyway, for a while, people had no problem with it besides its somewhat dead-looking exterior. Students were more concerned about who actually was inside of it. Because you see, the school mascot was so utterly vile that the PTA voted that being the school mascot should be a paid job. Which, I mean, when you're like 13 to 15 years old, being paid part-time to waltz around for three hours doesn't sound that bad. I mean, sure, you'd have to have a strong stomach, but it was only for once a month, and you would be paid the moment you got out of the suit. And by paid, I mean you were paid very well for this. And every year, the PTA would hire a new kid for this role. There would be straight-up auditions to be paid to strut around inside this thing. It was kind of hilarious. And naturally, people would make it a game to guess who it was that was inside the suit, since for some reason that information was very hush-hush. So one year, this kid, 
I don't really know his name, but I'll call him Ernie. So Ernie is the mascot, and he's great at making sure nobody knows. He's a good kid, straight B student, kind of a class clown, really interested in comic books, not a troublemaker, but enough of a delinquent to get grounded once in a while. You know, an average kid. Now, only a select group of people know that Ernie is the mascot. The PTA board, his parents, the principal, and that's it. None of the faculty or students know it's him. So one day, Ernie gets hit with a bad case of the stomach flu, like almost went to the hospital bad, which is a problem because it's a game night that night, and Ernie has to be the mascot. So he tells his parents what's going on, and his parents agree it would be best for them to call the principal and explain the situation. The principal understands, but says that they really don't have much time to find a replacement. He'll try to stall the game as much as possible, but Ernie and his parents have to report to the football field so they can hand off the key to the equipment room for someone else to have access, since the only people that have the keys to the place are Ernie and the coach. The coach was out of town with his wife for their wedding anniversary, so Ernie was the only one left in town with the key. So, Ernie reluctantly agrees to head over. By the time they do, Ernie is still not doing great. His parents help him out of the car and walk him towards the stadium, but that's when they hear that the game had already started. Which is weird, since the game always started with a parade from the mascot. It was like a local town ritual. They wouldn't have started the parade without a mascot. So with the help of his parents, Ernie finally finds the principal to give back the key. The principal looks at Ernie with a horrified expression. What are you doing over here? Shouldn't you be out there? The principal said. Ernie shakes his head while one hand is clutching his stomach. No, I still feel sick. I'm just handing over the key, remember? The principal leads Ernie so that they are away from the stands and can see the field. Out in the middle of the field is the mascot suit, dancing around like everything is fine. The principal and Ernie look at each other in horror. Nobody knows who it was that was out in the field. So Ernie, being very sick and thoroughly freaked out by what he was seeing, goes to sit down by the little snack stand. His parents sit down with some water and give him some fruit to make sure he's all right while the principal goes to talk to the substitute coach and a few security guards they had on hand that night to try and figure out who it was that was on the field. So they wait for a little while and watch the mascot very carefully to make sure whoever it is doesn't do anything suspicious. They can't exactly grab them in the middle of the game since they don't want to cause a panic, which could break out into something even worse. The school has its reputation to consider, of course, so they all decide it would be best to do this discreetly. So they bide their time and wait. At the end of the game, they wait until the majority of the students and parents have left the stadium. The principal gives the security and the substitute coach a signal, and they start to walk towards the mascot. They almost manage to get close, but just before they can grab whoever it was, the mascot leaped out from their grasp and just started booking it to the school. The men give chase and follow after them. The mascot managed to slip through an open window in the gym where the closet for the sports equipment was. By the time the principal managed to open the door, the mascot was nowhere to be seen, but the entire gym just reeked of death. I'm pretty sure one of them barfed from the smell. It was that bad. So the men, upon not seeing any sign of the mascot and very much wanting to leave the gym, start to search the building. They come up with nothing. 
the huge, hulking, smelly mascot costume and the person who was supposedly inside it were nowhere to be found, which was odd since most of the time when Ernie put the mascot costume on, the smell tended to linger on him for a few hours until he took a shower. But even then, he had to go through a lot of deodorant to make sure he didn't stink. You would think it would be easy to find someone who reeked of fermented gym socks, but no, not a soul to be found anywhere. Thankfully, it was a Friday night, so the school had enough time to get rid of the stink by the time Monday rolled around. They looked out for the costume for almost two weeks. Nobody can find it, no matter how hard they looked. Like, I'm pretty sure they managed to get the local police in on looking for this thing. It only turned up when Ernie unlocked the closet door to check. Keeping in mind, the door had been unlocked before. About a dozen people had used Ernie's key to open the closet up and take a look inside to make sure it was truly missing. But it was only when Ernie opened the door that it came back. It was in perfect condition, just as he left it. Well, I mean, perfect is a relative word. It still looked like a traumatized teddy bear. But all the same, it was where Ernie had last left it, seemingly completely undisturbed in its little corner. The weirdest part, the lock on the door showed no signs of being tampered with. There were no windows in this closet. The only way in and out had been in Ernie's pocket the entire time. There was literally no way anyone could have gotten to the suit. Hell, not even many people knew where it was stored to begin with. Barely anyone needed to know. The other kids who had played the mascot swore up and down they didn't do it, and all of them had alibis, whether that was actually being at the game on the night it happened or being at home with their parents, which were verified by the parents themselves. There was just no way anyone could have done it. Ernie quit being the mascot early that year, and thankfully, the school decided it was best to get a new mascot outfit. So, who do you think was in that suit that night? If you want to come meet me at Midsummer Scream this weekend, visit midsummerscream.org and use the code SCARY for 20% off your ticket. Game of the Red Eye was inspired by Lilith Wrongname. Audio for this story edited by Johnny Ashley. All other story scripts edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sindalo. Music and audio editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.